0: You're listening to episode 342 of GNU World Order. This is Clat2. Today we're going to take a little bit of listener, one listener feedback, and uh, after that we will talk about the BC tool, which of course is from the AP Software series of Slackware. So, first up, listener feedback. This one is from B Girl, who has emailed the show before, so you may recognize. She's from Mastodon. So she says, Episode 340 has gotten me thinking about Java. I think one thing you might be missing is object-oriented programming versus procedural programming. Some people don't like Java because everything's hidden behind Russian nesting dolls of abstraction. Although Java is portable, programs written uh, for POSIX compliance, like C, are equally as portable and robust less overhead. Either way, use whatever language you enjoy writing in, and use the right tool for the job. For me, an amateur programmer, I avoid object-oriented programming languages like the Um I really identify with this, actually, and I'm really glad that b brought this to my attention, because it is something that, that, that I did omit from that conversation that I had with myself comparing Java to, to Python. And the that, that, that important element is um, what I think of as sort of reverse-engineerability. By which I mean, if you write, for instance, a Bash script, I feel like Bash, honestly, is a, a, a sort of basic Bash, honestly, is a very readable and understandable language, to the point that you can almost teach it to yourself. I mean, there's a huge caveat there, and that is you have to have context for how Linux works, like how commands work, and so on. Um, but, but but a lot of the 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 bash phrases are pretty pretty well constructed and pretty easy to understand, at least sort of the let's let's call it actually the, the POSIX compliant uh, portions of of bash tend to be. I mean, there's some POSIX compliant stuff in there that isn't super easy to understand, and a lot of the bashisms definitely are not easy to understand. Double bracket dash e foo double bracket pipe pipe you know, do something here it is not super easy to understand, and it gets worse than that with um, with with uh, expansion name expansion or or um, substring uh, replacements or 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 uh, extraction. It, it can get it can get pretty ugly. And I think this is an important thing to to understand, and that is that that you know the 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 internet, for instance, taught a lot of us sort of how code worked. And when I say how code worked, I mean HTML. You know, there there are a lot of people out there who kind of came into an, a better understanding of of ha- computing by by reading HTML and by by making little modifications to other pages that someone else has constructed. You know, you copy the copy the code and paste it into a into a text document and you save it and you open it up in Firefox and, and you realize you've just altered the thing that you had seen before. And it's it's a really cool and amazing experience. And I think that that kind of experience should be open, and I use that word significantly, to everyone. So especially in open source, I feel like we kind of have a little bit of a, it's part of our mission statement to ensure that that, 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 that ease of entry is available to anyone who wants to sort of dip their toe into computing. And that's a tall order. That's not something that's easy to ask of technology, really. But we keep talking about how technologically advanced we are and how great things have become, and yet we are still struggling, I think, with that sort of, that backwards compatibility with noobs. And I say that in a loving. Way someone who who wants to get into computing, they they should have something out there that they can open up and read and kind of start to learn how it's all done. And I don't know that it's common for someone to open up, for instance, C code or Java code or or even Python, to be honest. But I'll get to that in a moment. And and just think, okay, well I can I, I see how this is done. I think I can do this. Whereas with Bash scripting, I. Speaking from experience, I feel like you can really kind of you can get into the whole computing thing just by by looking at people's bash scripts, looking at the the way that your your computer starts up in the first place. You know, all of these configurations and these these plain text files, it's huge. It's a huge part of, of open source, I think. So it's important. It is very important. Now I think the the reason it, this this point was omitted from my Python versus Java discussion is that I don't know that that the promise of python as as a simple programming language that anyone can pick up I don't know that that is currently necessarily fulfilled I mean I say that and yet I've taught python to young children so I know for a fact that it is something that literally like 10 year olds can pick up and 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 do they can they can understand it they can grow to understand it with proper training, but I, I I feel like you have to sort of insist on making it be that way, and that there's a, a a push or a pull maybe in the Python community right now to make Python a a really you know quote proper language, and I I and that's an it's an important thing. I mean they they, they kind of have to do that because Python is being used for everything now, and it's great because it's an easy programming language to write. It is something that is a a real pleasure in many ways to be able to sit down and just do Python. It's a very relaxed environment. You've got, you've got a lot of great tools at your disposal. You don't have to remember a bunch of kooky and crazy syntax rules. I mean, you do, but you also don't. It's, it is a very relaxed language but it's being used in a lot of stuff, so it has to take itself very seriously. But I think as as languages do that, I think there is a tendency for them to kind of accidentally pull away from that, from that, hey, look, you can just open us up and read us like it's an English sentence. It'll be self-explanatory. And I just don't know that Python's really that language anymore. And I don't know, maybe this is something, you know, I haven't been in computing that long... Maybe this is a cycle, maybe this is something that happens. Programming's come up, and they're beginner-friendly, and they're really simple, and they're treated that way, but then people start taking it really seriously, and it starts to get used for really important things, and all of a sudden everyone needs to come up with specifications for how things are properly done, and you've got all these different, you know, you you, you got this formalization that just wasn't there in the beginning. and. And that can be pretty difficult for a new person to come into. Like if a new person stumbles into the professional side of Python, I don't think they're going to see a Bash-like scripting language that they can easily read and reverse engineer. They're going to see object-oriented code with decorators and class instantiations and all the constructors and all the things that you do in an object-oriented language that, that truly makes no sense without a whole lot of context. And that's kind of what a lot of Python is now. I mean, even simple things, like an example that I've kind of noticed recently, PIP. You know, PIP, it's the package manager for Python. It's been around for a while. If you want a Python library and you don't want to get the Python library from your package, your your software repository, because maybe you're afraid that the software repositories too old of a version of that library, or maybe you want to manage your libraries in a virtual environment, so you just want to do it locally, whatever, pip is your answer, right? So you do pip install foo. Yeah? No, you don't. So now Python is saying that, you know, sort of Python meaning sort of like, I don't know, the governing body of Python, the, the official Python method of using pip now is python-m pip install foo. And that's because pip is uh, essentially a module. And when you're when you're executing pip on its own, that's a deprecated action, and it's treating it like an application. Whereas Python or pip, somebody turned it into a library or a module. And, and that's the appropriate way to execute pip now. And and once again, this is an important and great thing that they're doing. Because now, you know, if you're telling your your, your users, hey, look, I don't want you to write Applications. I want you to write libraries, and that way we all have a collection of really, really useful libraries that we can borrow from each other, and less work has to be done by each of us, and that's obviously a great thing. At the same time, it's a really advanced topic. That's an advanced concept for someone who just wants to make um, their computer, I don't know, do whatever, stay awake while they're watching uh, a movie, but they don't want to turn off their, um, their, their screensaver settings. Or, or maybe they want um, a, a little calculator that they that they want to program themselves. You know, whatever they they want something of their own, and they don't understand how to do d- how to make those things a library. They don't even understand how to get Python out of a single file because the the, the book that they were reading told them to, you know has has only covered putting everything in one file. So, in other words, what I'm saying is that while it's really cool to say that object oriented is indeed an advanced topic and something that that is not let's say user friendly or or new user friendly anyway which I totally agree with um, I don't know that I agree with the idea for instance that that Python um, is is any longer the embodiment of of that I think Python is kind of your bog standard object oriented programming language now now I there are important exceptions here and I'm going to address them right now so one is that well python still offers the opportunity for people to ignore all of those all of that sort of all of those standards and things and and just to write what they can and that's great because you can't you can't really do that in java right if you want to write a simple java script that's not object oriented you cannot can't just write that you're going to have to you have to make a main class you have to do all of these things oh, but wait, maybe that's not exactly true, because there are subsets of Java that do enable simplified um, scripting practices. So, for instance, processing.org. If you go to processing.org, you can download their little IDE. It's a simplified Java, essentially a Java, well, it's a simplified Java IDE is what it is, and, and it sets you up with, I think, two classes, or two functions, really, there's a start, I think, or a setup and a run or a loop, whatever they call it. And the setup is where you set up all of your, your variables and you, you maybe you make some, you know, you import some libraries that you need, whatever you need to do there. That's kind of the run once section. And then after that, after it runs the setup once uh, when you press go, then it, it looks to the uh, the the loop, the the run, whatever they call it. Uh, we'll call it a loop. Uh, and that just loops through that function. So whatever you do there, of course, it's going to keep repeating. Um, and from there, you can jump off and make your own functions and so on. So it's a lot like if, if I dare say, it's like Lua uh, in a way, um, where you where you've got sort of your, your your basic functions that that you can kind of count on running. And then I I didn't mean Lua. Sorry, I meant Love, the the graphical uh, game interface for Lua. Um, where you've got your sort of your, your main function that, you know, that it's going to run once for your setup and then your, your loop where, you know, whatever you put into that loop, it's going to show up on the love, the little, the little screen that you, that you're exporting after you're programming it. So it's, it's really, really nice. It is retroactive. It's, it's, it's fixing, you know, sort of user interface errors with the Java language processing.org is where it's, where it's at. You should check it out. Um, and it's great. It's it's fantastic. And I think that the, the opportunity there for languages, as they become more complex, the opportunity to make sure that there's that entry-level version of that language is a really important thing and a very noble effort. And I'm sure there are really good ones that do that for Python still. My fear is that Python has a reputation for being very beginner-friendly, but it has moved on from that... Niche, And I don't know that we have that niche filled in such a way that we can separate it from Python. In other words, if you're a new user or a new programmer and you want to get into something and you hear a lot of buzz about Python, and so you go and search out whatever resource you can on Python, unfortunately for you, in in, in this timeline, you you stumble into a group of people who take Python very seriously and are all about the standards and are really into the object oriented side of python and how how it should be done properly and everything needs to be a, a library or a class and so on and i don't think that that serves those new, m- most new programmers like at least self taught programmers whereas in a different timeline maybe you stumble into python and you stumble into a group of people who are teaching the friendly version of Python, the one where nothing matters and all you need to do is figure out how to make stuff appear on your screen and if you do it all in one big file with no functions whatsoever, no classes, that's fine, that's great, good for you. Now we'll introduce you to functions and then we'll see where it goes from there. That's that's brilliant, I think that's, that's a great thing, but I, I don't know that, you know, like the, the problem is that you're faced, you, you, you go to this door and it's labeled Python and you just don't know which of those two realities you're going to find on the other side of the door. You're going to open it up, and you're going to go into something that's calling itself Python, and you don't know which Python you're getting. Whereas with, with Java, I guess, you kind of know what you're getting, right? You go into Java, and you're getting the super serious Java stuff, like the boring Java programming, the serious coding, that's what you're in for. And so I wouldn't tell necessarily, I wouldn't tell, not necessarily, I would not tell a new programmer to go look at Java as their first language. Just wouldn't do it. Would I I refer them to processing.org? Yeah, actually I would. I think that's a great starter. Would I refer them to the Python equivalent of that? Yes, if I knew what that was. So I think that's actually my, I guess that's my problem, is that I, I don't feel like languages are necessarily... Identifying clearly where where the where the beginners can get on board, and and of course there are different beginners, right? There are people who are going into programming because, well, they're ready for programming. They've taken math classes and they know what. They know what a function is already, and they, they know that concept, and they're ready for this. And then there's people who stumble into it because they have to for work, or because they think it would be fun if they wanted to someday become a video game programmer. They don't know how to get there, but they've heard that they need to learn how to code to, to start down that path. You know, that sort of thing. So we got to identify these, these use cases and kind of make it clearer for people, hey, this is the path you need to start out on. Okay, you, you you can start out over here, and and I guess um, I guess Bash, for instance, makes it pretty pretty clear generally. Um, probably not necessarily because it means to, um, but probably partly because of POSIX compliance. Actually, because a lot of the POSIX stuff is pretty clear, I think. Um, and yeah, you get into Bash, and you just kind of you're at the beginner level. I think it's a great starter language. Um, and yeah, I agree. I guess I'm saying I agree. Object-oriented is not user-friendly, is not new user-friendly. Uh, and we need to clearly identify who we're targeting with different sort of versions, air quotes around that, of, of various programming languages. Okay, that's the listener feedback section. It's time for coffee. Let's do that. And we'll come back and we'll talk about BC. BC <laughs> utility from the AP software series of slackware. I think I feel like we've all kind of heard of bc. It's it's one of those commands that I feel like it kind of shows up f- fairly frequently on the sort of I don't know, those 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 posts online where you ask an intelligent question and you get a technically valid answer, but it's not like the best answer. Do you know what I mean? It's it's one of those where where someone clearly does does some kind of research into a, a thing, and, and then they they do answer the question, and then they they put it online, and you think, why would you answer that question that way? Like that is that is obviously not the the the, the sort of the, the best answer, or at least it's not a complete a- answer. So here's the canonical um, example of BC. Right, the question is always how do I add two numbers in bash or, or from a terminal? And the inevitable answer is echo quote one plus one close quote pipe bc. And you get two back. And you think, great, that's, uh, that's fantastic. And it's completely unusable, right? I mean, nobody wants to do that for a calculation, especially nothing nothing advanced. You don't want to do complex math by echoing something, but yeah, by echoing the phrase and piping it through through BC, that's just ridiculous. Um, so I I didn't know much about BC to be honest, and, um, and I, I I I avoid it typically. I did remember an article on uh, OpenSource.com about from 2016 by Dave Taylor, who I, I I know from I know that name, I don't know the person from Linux Journal. Back when that was a thing, and um, there's this article about an interactive calculator for the Linux command line, and it's kind of a this sort of weird sort of sort of hack around ever having to use bc, and that's kind of funny because um, I I feel like a lot of the things online that I that I do find about bc are either that stupid echo example that I just that I just referenced, you know, just. Echoing two numbers and piping it through bc, or it's it's a a hack around just not not having to use bc. Uh, and and even in the comments of this article, there are a bunch of there are some great comments, but it's all about how not to use bc. There's there's one from a person named Wei Lun Chao who says that um, they developed a pure bash calculator, and there's a there's a link to the code which is a dead link now, but I, f- I did a little bit of digging and found the updated version of it. It is quite nice. I will post a link to the updated version in the show notes. Uh, there's someone else who says, hey, just use uh, Perl. And of course, someone else says, hey, use Python. So there, and, and Python, to be fair, is the one that I kind of default to. I just launch a Python shell, I do the math that I need to do, and then I get out of the Python shell. It's kind of stupid, but it kind of works. So... BC, it's a little bit of a problem, and the more I kind of looked around to find what BC was really for, the less I discovered. Um I, I don't know that is to say, I don't know whether BC is sort of targeted as kind of a a data science kind of tool for lack of a better term. Like is it is it GNU Octave? Or is it NumPy is it like what it, what exactly is the what's what's the target use case here? And I don't know enough about any of those worlds to even recognize, you know, any kind of similarity or 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 even just to kind of get a feel for what someone might see in BC. Well, as is often the case, there's documentation for this tool and we can look at that and discover quite a lot about the little tool called BC. And that's exactly what I did. So if you go to gnu.org slash software bc, you'll find links to the do- documentation. It's very elucidating. It doesn't answer my question of sort of who uses this for what. But then again, I don't know that the documentation could possibly know that. I don't, I don't, I don't know why someone writing documentation for bc or even the person who writes bc would know necessarily what people are doing with the tool. And I guess maybe maybe I could look at the bug uh, tracker or something like that and really try to get a feel for what problems people are having with the tool and what it is that they are trying to answer with, with the tool. But I didn't do that because it's not that much of a burning question for me. Really, what we're here for is to n- understand more about BC, the command. So first of all, I'm going to say, I don't believe that BC is honestly meant as a command. I mean, obviously it is. They didn't accidentally include an, uh, the, the BC command that that can launch. You know, they didn't do that on accident. But I, I don't think that that was their main use case, their, their main sort of intent of, of how you would interact with BC. So aside from echoing things into BC... Um, and, and you can like echo one pipe BC and it'll spit out one back at you. So it's, it's a, it's a pretty sort of, it's, it's, it's not a very useful filter really. You know, it just doesn't do that much instead of doing that, or rather in addition to doing that, you could just write, or you could just issue the command BC that spits out some copyright and licensing information at you. And, uh, it, it, dumps you into a, a, a completely empty session, sort of interactive session with BC. You can type stuff like, I don't know, uh, 20 minus 5, 15. It, it, it answers. Uh, 23 times 8, 184. So all kinds of things you can do here. It's, it's basically a calculator. Uh, that's kind of fun. So let's try advanced functions like I don't know cosine so I'm going to just do COS assuming that that's this won't work but pretend like we're just kind of hacking around and messing around so COS parentheses 90 close parentheses runtime error doesn't work okay so that that's that's a no-go uh, so we'll quit we'll type out quit and then uh, we'll look at the man page really quick and we see from the man page that there aren't actually that many options here you can do the interaction the interactive mode you can force the interactive mode. Well, we don't have to force it. We just got it anyway. You can do a dash dash math lib to define the standard math library. You can also do dash dash standard to um, be more posixly correct. Uh, and that's about it, really. I mean, there's a couple of other things in there, but it's not really that big of a deal. So if we do bc dash dash math lib, we discover that we get... Well, now we're back into the interactive uh, interactive session. So it's a little bit like Python. If you've ever played around with Python, you type in Python and you're at this sort of Python prompt and you're inside of this thing called idle and you can try out your your different Python commands or, or Python statements that you want to see what they render. So this is a little bit like that. And of course, we, we can we can do the, the the math, the simple math still. That's that still works. But with MathLib, we we inherit some extra little functions, and those functions are described in the manual. I will go back to the first page over here, and there is uh, down near the bottom after it describes the the language itself, which we'll get into in a minute. There is uh, there is a list of math library functions, and sure enough, my math library functions um, not there there aren't it's not blowing me away here but there are some so there's s parentheses x close parentheses and that's that'll give you the sine of x x in radians uh, c and then parentheses x the cosine of x a is the arch tangent l is the natural log uh, e is the exponential function of raising e to the value of x and then j is the I don't even know how to say this the that's how that's how that's how far beyond my math understanding this already is uh the Bessel function Bessel function of integer order in and x it sounds exciting um okay so i'll go to um back to b c here and we'll just do a c nine uh, parentheses ninety and that gives me negative dot four four eight zero seven three six which sounds roughly correct to me given given no other information i'll just type in to um a web search engine here. Uh, what is the cosine of 90? Uh, that did not work. All right, I'll go to a different web engine with a little bit better um, instant instant calculations. Yeah, n- negative zero. Uh, yeah, negative zero point four four eight zero three seven six and a couple of other numbers. So yes, that that does appear to be correct. So already we, we we've we've got a couple of bonuses here. We've got some new functions that you can play around with. Um, you can also define your own functions, and that is done with the define keyword. And you can create um, well a function just like you would in any other in any other programming language. Uh, except of course you you've, you've got to think in terms of I guess um, in terms of of the BC the BC abilities. So, for instance, we can do um, maybe an absolute value function. Let's do that. So we'll do a define abs, and then parentheses in, close parentheses. And then we'll do a curly bracket, a curly brace, and then we'll hit return. I don't know if that return's actually necessary, but I'm I'm hitting return there. It's probably not. Um, Returns, new lines do have significance in bc, but I don't think it needs to be a new line in that. In that particular case, so the first phrase that we'll write is uh, we'll detect whether the number is uh, greater than zero. Because if it's greater than zero, then we can just spit back out the number, right? The absolute value of of one is one. There's no modification needed there. So, and in case you're not aware, um, absolute value. I actually don't know the purpose of it. I'm not. I'm not mathematically inclined. I don't know the. The actual use of this I mean, I can imagine, but I, I don't know like if there's a definitive answer um but the absolute value you take a number expressed either as a negative number or a positive number, and then you return just the number with with no sort of connotation about whether it's negative or positive. It's just the absolute value the converted value of this integer that you're giving me here's here's the integer so. Uh, I, I feel like that's got to be like the equivalent of some of those, some of the, the 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 more unusual, you know, bash bash checks, you know, when you're looking for I don't know, the the real path of something, and you think to yourself, well, why would the path of this file be any different than you know the path, like the location of the file after pwd? It's just kind of like this weird reinforcement. So, um, I mean, I'm sure there's a very good reason for it in math. So anyway, so if the, the syntax in in BC is uh, if and then parentheses for the condition that you're checking for. So if, in this case, if parentheses in is greater than or equal to zero, so that's the greater than sign and the equal sign and then zero, and then close the parentheses. There is no then, you just do if and then the condition and then a space and then the then condition. So in this case, it would be return parentheses n, close parentheses, and then we'll do a new line close that phrase so there's no there's no there's no close to the the if statement there's no if phi there's no there's no curly braces required um it's just it's just you you write a line and you do a new line you can do more scoping than that but that's that's all that's necessary in bc And then, so instead of even bothering with like an else statement, we can just put return parentheses negative N, close parentheses, and then close the curly bracket. So then I'll hit return. And that, now that I'm, because I'm in this interactive session, that becomes part of my session. And we can test it with ABS parentheses negative 8, close parentheses, and we get back 8. That's correct. ABS 12, and we get back 12. So that's correct as well. So there you go. There We've created our first function, and we've invoked that function. And we've also seen how the, um, the if statements work. Now, like I say, you can actually do that with with sort of um, more, I guess, clearer scoping. So, for instance, if we redefine this, and just to make sure that I'm not clobbering something or, or, or cheating, I'll do abso as this function we will give it in again just for the um, for the input. It wants it wants to get a, a, a number from us, and then I'll do a curly brace, and then I'll do if uh, phrase in is greater, oops, greater than or equal to zero, close parentheses, and then I'll do a space, and I'll do an open curly brace there, and do a return in, and then I'll close the, the that that curly brace. So the scope of that if statement um, is is just sort of you know it's just going to return that number if the statement is true there's really no else as far as i know so then i'll just do a return uh, negative n because we're we're negating the negative if it's not positive and then we'll close the curly brace and so now if i do abso negative 2 i get back 2 abso 2 i get back 2 so it works perfectly just as well it just it's kind of up to you which is nice. I mean, I think that's a nice feature to give people a little bit of a, a little bit of an option in terms of coding style. I, I quite like that. Let's see. I think um, there's a, we, we saw. I think we saw a function in the in the GNU manual for a factorial, didn't we? No, no. I'm sorry. We saw exponential. All right. Well, it's not as fun. I mean, it probably is as fun. I just I'm not that good at math to be honest. So um, I'm kind of stretching stretching myself by by doing by trying to to write math functions it's just not it's not something that comes really natural to me. Okay, so um interestingly, I mean you can certainly create variables. So if I do um well, if I just say foo equals uh I don't know 23 and then type in foo, I get 23 back. So that's easy variable um expansion or 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 uh, analysis. Uh, investigation introspection is that the term i don't know it's easy it's simple simple variable structures not not that hard uh, there are also all the usual math operators like greater than equal to greater than or equal to and there are the logical operators like the or and the and and so on i'm going to quit this um and i'm going to create we're going to create a file called bcvars.bc and in this bcvars file we're going to um we're going to look up what is the speed of light and it looks like it's pretty fast so uh we'll do um speed of light sol equals 299792458 we'll just do that as one string um and then we'll do foo equals 42 and um i guess we could even say define uh, abs we'll, we'll do that program really quick again, because uh, I think if we're lucky, we'll be able to get all of this stuff into our interactive session. Okay, perfect. Alright, so we've got this file of sort of BC uh, variables and and a function, so normally this is where we would think, okay, well, in a BC script, we want to include the data from from this file, so we'll, we'll import it. Um, Unfortunately, I can't find anything about importing or including or loading or sourcing or requiring. I mean, I, I, I I looked for all the keywords and I legitimately cannot find how to include an external data source in BC. If you know how to do that, by all means, let me know. Um, The way that I've sort of, more or less discovered doing it is just do bc and then i'll, I'll open up well i'll do mathlib and then i'll also do bc dot bc that launches one of those little fake interact or the, the interactive um, sessions with bc and now if i if i if i issue the variable foo it tells me yeah it's 42 if i do sol it returns two nine nine seven nine two four five eight if I do, um, what was it, abs minus abs minus 128, it returns 128. So all of the data in um, bcvars.bc was loaded into my session. So, I mean, that's a lot like including it. Um, I get to include it along with the normal math lib. So if I do, for instance, c for cosine, remember, and then foo, I get back negative dot three nine 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 eight five three one which i'm assuming is the cosine of 42 so so you know i I get i get everything that i need i just i don't know how to make that happen without just copying and pasting an entire file into the file that you're actually running so that that puzzles me a little bit but that's bc that's as much as i know about bc and honestly that's almost all there is to bc I mean, obviously, there's a lot more to BC than that, but in terms of approachability, if you want to just kind of get started with BC, and you know math, it's it's astonishingly self-explanatory, or not self-explanatory, it's an easy read, is what I'm trying to say. The, the manual, if you look at it, it, it gives you, it's got like maybe, let's call it five chapters, it's got... So, uh, an overview of the basic elements, which include numbers, variables, and comments. It covers the expressions that are available to you. So you've got, you know, variable creation, the, just sort of the basic expressions, relational expressions, Boolean expressions, operator precedence. You've got a couple of special expressions in there that you'd want to know about just to have available. And then there are statements and pseudo-statements. So the statements are, are sort of sensible things like uh, string, print, print list, if, while, for, um, that sort of thing, oh, break, continue, halt, return, that return being a return value. Uh, And then there are uh, pseudo statements, which is uh, quit and warranty, which prints the warranty, and then limits, which pro- pr- prints the local limits enforced by the local version of BC. So that, that sort of covers things like your, um, I don't know, integer, you know, l- the, the longest integer you can have, or the, the maximum um, exponent you can calculate, and number of variables your system can handle, and, and so on. And, and that is, as it says, it's a local limitation, so it tells you what the machine that you're running this on is is limited to. There are some examples, and um, that's pretty much it. And if you look at it, it is, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it feels and looks kind of like C. It's it's a C-like syntax, uh, which, you know, I mean, a lot of, I mean, sometimes that means something very bad. Like, that that's scary, but it's not scary. Like, it's actually, it's like C syntax in a really good way. Like, it's it's pretty... Pretty readable as long as you're kind of it's kind of like you you know what a function is, you you understand that once you define that function you're gonna call it later in code. You you understand how code is is processed and so on. Is it the most versatile language? I don't I I don't imagine that it is, but at the same time I think that this this I think might be what BC is all about. This is the you know the the script, the, the scriptability of it. And the ability to essentially think in C but 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 process nothing but numbers and have a sort of a number-centric view of, of, of code, I think that might be what BC is for. Like if you're a mathematician or if you're doing lots of math, why would you try to reimplement all of this stuff in raw C or something when you can just have BC do it for you and figure all this stuff out for you? How essential is it? Again, I don't know. I, I'll, uh, you know, like I feel like someone who knows math really well would be able to look at this and think either, oh, this is amazing. This is this will make my life much easier because that way, you know, now I can get that exponent or that cosine or that sine or that log, the the logarithm, the, the logarithm of of this number without having to come up with the function for it for myself. Um, or maybe someone will look at it and just think, "Well, it's nice, but I could just go get, you know, such and such a library for whatever language I'm using and do basically the same thing in the language of my choice." So I'm I'm not exactly sure how sort of essential BC is. I don't know that it's something that would be widely useful to most users i think that it is a little bit maybe oversold to the new user it's kind of like hey bash includes this really great terminal calculator it's called bc and it's like yes that's true but are we this is this really the the is this really what we are using for this because there it seems like there's probably better better things for this for, for what I want to do. And as it turns out, there really, really is. It's this pure bash calculator that Wai Lun Chao wrote. It's very, very cool. You should definitely check it out. It's not BC. It doesn't use BC at all. It is just really, really neat. It's a good read. It is not an easy read. This is not one of the bash scripts that uh, a new user should be looking at to understand how bash works. But it is very, very slick, and it works really, really well, and I'm really happy to have found it. And I don't mean to take away from BC. I think BC is is very cool. I think it's probably very, very useful to people who know a lot more about math than I do. Um, I I don't think it's intended as a general-purpose calculator, realistically, like a general-purpose interactive calculator. I don't think that's what they had in mind. I could be mistaken, and it could very well be that I just don't know enough about math to even make it useful for myself. So I'm I'm not trying to take away from BC by saying oh there's this cool pure bash calculator that you should check out. I'm simply saying that BC is well beyond me. Everything I've told you about BC is is what I have learned about it this week kind of going through it through through the the documentation and and unfortunately most of it's lost on me. So if if you're into math more than I am, um I mean it's not don't don't get me wrong. I like math. I'm just not very good at it. So it's it's a question of me being ready for BC, not whether BC is ready for me. If you are ready for BC, then you should check it out. It's a very cool little programming language. You can define your own functions. What more do you want? I mean, that's all you really need in a language, right? The ability to make little subroutines. Once you do that, you're kind of programming. So yeah, that's that's BC. Hopefully this has shed some light on, a, I think, a, a misrepresented tool. Thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Order Order Cast. This has been Clatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the FreeNode network usually in channels such as Ogcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Clatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Clatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at clatu at member.fsf.org. That's clatu@member.fsf, at member.fsf, as in Free Software Foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, GNU and SlackerMedia.info. I will see you next time. stuff isn't confusing to you at all.